Hello, and welcome back to another Exercises Medicine podcast. Uh, for those of you who frequently listen to us, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different podcast. There's no other guests. It's just going to be me talking to myself about myself. You know, very egocentric. <laughs> but um, this week, what I decided to do was to run an experiment. No pun intended. I know we are an exercise organization. <laughs> but I, I ran this experiment on myself to see if I could boost my exercise behavior using the framework of social cognitive theory. All right, well, what is social cognitive theory? Well, for those of you who don't know or are not familiar with, it's the psychological theory that focuses on the reciprocal interaction of an individual, their environment, and their behaviors, right? So it essentially kind of takes into account these external social influences, right, from the environment, as well as internal influences, such as your own past experiences, you know, your your moods, your attitudes, your motivations, all to really predict your future experiences and any behaviors that you might pick up, right? This can be anything from, you know, the likelihood that you'll get into smoking or that you'll quit smoking to the likelihood of you pursuing more exercise, hint, hint, uh, as to where this is going. Um, but what interested me about this theory was that it was presented to me, uh, when I noticed it in clinical psychology, right? It's this theory where you can really start to target specific behaviors and increase the outcomes of that behavior, right? So what does this mean? Well, uh, for example, Dr. Stephanie Silveira used social cognitive theory in her own experiment to encourage exercise in patients with multiple sclerosis, right? It's this neuromuscular degenerative disease that typically just decreases mobility and really quality of life, right? But by using social cognitive theory and the framework, she was able to improve her patient's mobilities by using many of the factors that we'll actually be discussing today, like self-efficacy, outcome expectations, barriers, facilitators, all of this good stuff. But the point being, she was able to pick an outcome that she wanted and improve the chances of that outcome happening by applying social cognitive theory, right? And in this case, that outcome was better mobility, more exercise, right, for these patients. So this theory has really developed into this prominent uh, reference for social modeling in human motivation, thought, and action, right? You can imagine, uh, you can really analyze any behavior through this framework, right? Because it's looking at, well, How's the individual? How's the environment? And how are their ultimate behaviors? Um, you, Like I said, you see this a lot in clinical psychology. It's a great theory to be used. Um, but kind of going back to where I found utility with it was with exercise, right? So what does this theory have to do with exercise and how can I use it? First things first, we're going to need to understand its organization. So, with social cognitive theory, there's four things that you have to consider before you get to your behavior, right? Four things that really build up to any behavior that you look at. First things first, the foundation of social cognitive theory is self-efficacy, right? Self-efficacy. And, and, and we'll go into depth with each of these factors, but I just want to establish them first. Uh, next things next is going to be outcome expectations, then you're going to have to consider socio-structural factors, and then you're going to have to consider goals, right, and goal setting. 
all of which contribute to your ultimate behavior. So first things first, self-efficacy, right? Kind of the foundation, like I presented it. Self-efficacy is your sense of capability to perform an action for a specific outcome. It's kind of like uh, your mojo, right? Like your sense of confidence, your sense of knowing that you can do something, right? And it's kind of this amalgamation of like the confidence that you have in your skills when it comes to like resisting certain temptations or coping with stress or, you know, mobilizing resources to meet the demands of the situation, right? Like, so in my case, like self-efficacy would be involving like uh, preventing laziness when it comes to exercise or balancing my classes and exercise or just finding my energy to motivate myself, right? All of these things contribute to my sense of capability, my sense of self-efficacy, right? And if we're following the framework really, you know, in a detailed fashion, uh, self-efficacy can be described, you know, kind of in three parts, right? There's the preparatory phase, the maintenance phase, and the recovery phase for self-efficacy, right? So, of course, the preparatory phase is kind of you hyping yourself up, right? Getting that desire to change yourself, right? The beginning for any behavior is really a desire to pursue that behavior, right? It's only natural. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we find and one of the things that I found when researching this is that, you know, people who have higher levels of preparatory self-efficacy, right, or this desire to change themselves, they are typically more successful when it comes to adopting new behaviors and the success of those behaviors, right? So when it comes to making goals for exercise and desiring to change one's habits with exercise, this preparatory self-efficacy can really help in terms of increasing your chances of developing that growth mindset, right? Starting the new exercise. So in my case, uh, my desire to change myself is really to become more consistent with my exercise because I know my own schedule, right? And I have a strong seated desire to change myself, right? To better kind of exercise consistently despite my schedule. So on some level, I have some a pretty good foundation for my preparatory self-efficacy, right? Again, this kind of goes back and contributes to my sense of capability, okay? Uh, next thing is going to be the maintenance self-efficacy, right? So as I begin pursuing more exercise, what is the extent that I believe in my own ability to kind of handle the challenges that come along, right? So this has always been kind of one of the things that I've struggled with because, you know, as a college student, as all of you are... I'm sure aware, things come up, right? You have midterms, you have finals, you have work, you have extracurriculars, you have roommates that are too loud when they're gaming. You know, there's all these things, all these challenges that kind of interfere with your goals, whatever it might be, right? In my case, it might be exercise, but in your case, it might just be, you know, to develop better study habits or sleeping habits or anything, really. That's the beauty of social cognitive theory, right? It can be applied to anything, really. Uh, but in my case, right, Going back to my maintenance self-efficacy, how much do I believe that I can deal with challenges uh, along the way to exercise consistency, right? Well, like I said, this has historically been difficult for me, right? I'm really my weakest around uh, big tests like midterms or, or finals or big projects that are due just because, you know, I, I really reallocate all my resources, like my mental resources, to those projects, to those finals, to those tests, whatever it may be. And so 
this has always been a struggle for me. And that's one of the things I want to target, uh, knowing now kind of the framework for social cognitive theory. <laughs> Last but not least, there's recovery, self-efficacy, right? It's this kind of ability to recover if you fail to keep to your goals, right? Which in my case has, again, historically happened quite a few times when it comes to exercise. So with recovery, self-efficacy, right? It's your ability to really get back on your feet, right? To say like, okay, I may have not reached my end outcome today, right? In my case, it's consistent exercise, like on a weekly basis, but, you know, that's not something that's wrong with me, right? That's something that's attributable to the environment, right? Like whether it be a test or whether it be, you know, any other thing that interferes in your life. Um, one of the things that I want to keep an eye on is to be able to say like, okay, it's not me. I'm still reaffirming my desire to be more consistent with my exercise, right? This is a lapse on that path to that goal, but, you know, it's a lapse that I can kind of recover from, right? So that's the whole point of recovery self-efficacy. And those three self-efficacy, I guess, tenants, again, contribute to your overall sense of capability, right? So again, uh, your ability to develop a desire to change yourself, your ability to deal with the challenges along the way to that change, and your ability to reconcile if you kind of falter, right? All of those contribute to your sense of capability. So this is the backbone of social cognitive theory, all right? And uh, all of these, right, can really be manipulated in different ways. Right, so Dr. Howard Margolis studied this uh, pretty intimately with learning outcomes, right? Uh, but in terms of like uh, how to manipulate, I guess you could say, your self-efficacy, uh, you can do it through vicarious experiences, right? So like seeing other people kind of change themselves, kind of meet similar goals, similar outcomes as you. So in my case, for example, it might be something like seeing my roommates work out and get bigger gains, right? And like that might enhance my own belief and for my own possibility of exercise and uh, consistency, right? There's also uh, verbal persuasion. Uh, Dr. Margolis did uh, extensive studies on verbal persuasion and uh, learning outcomes. Uh, but um, in my case, right, if I'm hyped up on my friends, you know, I, or a significant other to exercise or, you know, just family, whatever it may be, if I get that verbal persuasion, it kind of spikes my motivation, right? So that's one of the things that I also targeted uh, during my journey in these past four weeks or so of uh, this experiment. So there's that. And then um, there's also kind of personal sense of accomplishment and mastery. And I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later with our SMART goals and the SMART goals that I set for myself. But in a sense, uh, you know, just having that sense of accomplishment and like progress, that's super key for developing your own sense of self-efficacy or capability. Moving forward. I'm going to talk about now the uh, outcome expectations, right? Which are really these consequences of actions. So when it comes to outcome expectations, right, there's kind of these uh, two major classes, physical and social outcome expectations, right? 
So of course, physical, like it sounds like, that concerns the physical consequences of your action, right? Or the behavior that you're targeting. Um, so in my case, for example, a physical outcome expectation might be the soreness, right? That comes with exercise, or maybe like the pump that comes with exercise, right? Uh, for me, these outcome expectations serve to reinforce the likelihood of me exercising more consistency. Uh, I personally love the pump, right? Uh, I think it feels great. I think the soreness is is rewarding the day after. You know, it feels like I've done a, a job well done. So I wanted to target these outcome expectations on my path to exercising more consistently, right? Reminding myself like, hey, you know, to get to that level of pump, you got to exercise more consistently. Uh, and then there's also those social outcome expectancies, which kind of refer to the expected social responses uh, in response to your action, right? So how will my social environment respond when I start exercising more consistently? Uh, you know, in other examples, it might be like disapproval, right, by society for doing drugs or getting approval from your family or friends for eating healthy, right? These are social expectancies that accompany specific actions, right? In my case, with exercise consistency, there's not all too much that really changes now because COVID-19 has kind of kept everyone inside, right? So I'm not really getting as much social interaction as I'd like or uh, that might be prevalent for this aspect of social cognitive theory. But, you know, it's a consideration nonetheless. Uh, I still, you know, my family still wants me to, to be healthy and consistent with my exercise. So, you know, th that's also a reinforcer that I can remind myself of as well. <laughs> Um, and of course, you know, with these considerations and expectations, they really build up on self-efficacy, right? Like I said, self-efficacy is that capability, that sense of capability and that foundation for this whole theory, right? So these expectations can really improve or in some cases, uh, you know, undermine your sense of capability. In my case, I wanted to focus on the expectations, the, the consequences of my actions that would reinforce my behavior, right? Again, I was trying to increase my exercise consistency. And so, yeah, like in this sense, I, uh, I, you know, I like to think that these considerations helped me out on the path there. Um, but there's this interesting experiment by a, a psychologist by the name of Dr. Cook, who noted that intrinsic association of, you know, these physical and social outcomes would heighten self-efficacy, right? They were more likely to heighten and enhance outcomes while uh, extrinsic, extrinsic association uh, tended to decrease self-efficacy and reduce outcomes, right? So again, it's this kind of situation where it goes back to that idea of, uh, you know, competency and capability because people tend to feel better about themselves and are more likely to pursue their goals when they feel like they're responsible for it, right? So in my case, if I can kind of own up to my actions and expectations, then that's what gives me a sense of accomplishment, right? Uh, again, kind of going back to um, that maintenance, self-efficacy. So yeah, in terms of outcome expectations, that's what I targeted during this experiment. And then for the socio-structural factors, right, these can be, you know, very broadly categorized between facilitators and impediments, right? Of course, to pursue your goal, you want to 
increase the amount of facilitators that you have, things that improve your self-efficacy and reinforce your behaviors. And you want to remove as many impediments that you can remove, you know, like things like uh, uh, that, you know, stop you from reinforcing these behaviors. So in my case, uh, I identified a couple of facilitators, such as kind of uh, my roommates also working out um, and inviting me to work out with them. Right? I, I really wanted to increase my exposure to this as much as possible because um, a psychologist by the name of Gary D. Ellis actually noted that verbal reinforcement and this kind of like uh, hype factor right, uh, tended to increase self-efficacy and persistence and performance, right, with, with uh, in his case, he was looking at learning objectives, but in my case, you know, persistence with exercise, consistency, and performance, you know, those are equally important as well. Um, and so this kind of verbal persuasion from my fellow roommates, that was definitely a facilitator, right? It's one of those things that can help out my path to that goal. And I wanted to really focus on that. So I actually kind of made an agreement with them to like hype me up and whenever they were working out uh, to invite me along as well. Right? Uh, and of course, I also wanted to avoid any impediments to that. Right. So uh, in my case, right, one of my roommates, unfortunately, as much as he loves working out, he also loved to buy junk food, right? Donuts, cookies, you name it. <laughs> that really kind of make me, <laughs> well, on one hand, I guess you can think of it as an impediment in the sense that like, oh, okay, I'll just uh, kind of reduce my gains, right? And what's the point of exercise consistency if I'm eating all this junk food? But at the same time, kind of has a interesting effect here, almost like opponent processing. Uh, I noticed that whenever I ate a donut, I felt really guilty. And I was like, okay, well, I really need to work off that donut, right? Or that cookie. I can't be eating cookies all the time, no matter how much I love these do like double chocolate chip cookies. So I actually started working out a little bit more consistently because of the presence of the, the junk food there, which was kind of interesting. So you could think about it in this case as both a facilitator and an impediment. Uh, but other than that, you know, I also had work and classes, like I've mentioned before. These are all kind of socio-structural factors that impeded on my consistency. Um, but yeah, last but not least, uh, in terms of that framework for social cognitive theory and like picking places to kind of target to improve my exercise consistency was setting goals, right? And there's this really great study from uh, Paige Voth and, and Graham, uh, these two psychologists, who noticed that clear goals, right, right with like um, room for feedback and, and measurement uh, has the potential to enhance your outcomes, right? So in that same vein of social cognitive theory, if you have really clear goals, that just builds on top of your your uh, self-efficacy, right? That foundation. And so one of the things that I pursued was making SMART goals for myself, right? For time management and, and productivity. So if you don't know, SMART goals are, are pretty, you know, frequently used, I would say. Uh, they're gaining more traction, but it stands for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound, right? So kind of the acronym SMART. But you want specific goals because you need to be concise, right? Giving yourself leeway with, with your goals and ambiguity just gives you more room to unfortunately fail to meet your goals, right? Because the more uh, ambiguity there is, the, the less consistent it'll be. So in my case, I made really specific goals. Like, okay, I wanted to keep my exercise consistent. Um, so I'm going to try and meet the CDC guidelines each week for 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise and two times uh, a week for resistance training, right? So those were specific parts of my goals, right? They also have to be measurable and attainable, 
right? So a key part of what uh, Voth and Graham found was that these goals needed to be very specific and you needed a way to kind of measure it so that you could check and see your progress, right? Uh, goals without kind of progress markers are really difficult to quantify, right? And, you know, it's hard to kind of judge your own your own performance if you're they're not measurable. And if they're not attainable, you know, that's also something to consider, right? Like you can't just be saying like, oh, I want to look like, I don't know, John Cena by the end of this week, right? It's, it, for me, who's like, you know, 140 pounds and like 5'8", it's, it's not attainable, right? So setting realistic goals uh, as well kind of really goes back to that idea of building on your self-efficacy, right? Your own sense of capability. Having goals that kind of meet that sense uh, are more likely to enhance the outcomes, right? And then the T, of course, stands for time-bound, which is just setting kind of like time frames for yourself, again, to measure your own progress and also to really keep yourself accountable. And so in my case, I, I set uh, kind of like a, a weekly basis for a check-in with progress. Um, so kind of the 150 minutes of uh, intense exercise, moderate intensity exercise a week, and just two times of resistance training. I didn't really specify the minutes as long as uh, I got those uh, just uh, workouts in. Right, so this is kind of the basic framework for social cognitive theory, right? I've kind of explained which parts I focused on and kind of tried to meet uh, to enhance my own exercise consistency. And the part we've all been waiting for is the results, right? So like I said, about four weeks before finals when I started this experiment on myself and kind of targeting my social cognitive theory framework, right? So the first week, what I found was I got about 180 minutes of moderate intensity exercise, a combination of, you know, jump roping, boxing, walking, and I met that two times of resistance training for that week. Right, so this is fantastic. You know, the first week I was doing great. I was far from finals, right? I met the CDC guidelines. Then the second week came, decreased exercise a little bit, about 130 minutes of moderate intensity exercise. Again, same combination of jump rope, boxing, walking. Uh, this time I only got one uh, resistance workout in. Third week, I got about 100 minutes of moderate intensity exercise, mainly walking at this point, and I didn't get any resistance training, unfortunately. So those were the three weeks before finals, and now, as I'm recording this, this is actually the, the first day of finals week, but so far, today, I got 40 minutes of moderate intensity exercise in, and I also got one resistance workout in. So this is just Monday night, right? So what do we make of these results, right? Well, if you notice, I only really met that requirement on the first week that I attempted this, right? And, uh, you know, this could be a combination of different things. Maybe it was like that initial excitement for the experiment, um, you know, that desire for consistency. Uh, but it, I think it also had to do with the fact that finals were coming around and I like to study ahead of time, right? I'm not someone who is particularly good at cramming. Um, so as those weeks got closer and closer to finals, what I started noticing was that I was taking time out of that exercise, right? Despite the goals that I set for myself, uh, despite the fact that, you know, my, my roommates uh, would kind of invite me to work out, um, you know, I mean, even then they kind of actually also um, decreased their own exercise because they were studying for finals. So it, it kind of revolved around the fact that finals were so close. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I actually decreased a, a lot of my exercise and resistance training. Um, 
So in this case, again, you know, kind of what I knew from the beginning, my maintenance self-efficacy was always going to be difficult to kind of uh, try and keep in, in check. Uh, but I did feel pretty good about my recovery self-efficacy because I would always, you know, it, what you'll notice there is that I still got some exercise in, right? Despite the finals, despite preparing, despite for work, you know, I, I still was able to get some exercise in, which compared to previous quarters, is actually a big improvement, right? So while I didn't meet the the goals that I, I set for myself in terms of like consistency, right, for the 150 minutes a week uh, per the CDC, I was still actually able to consistently have and perform more exercise than I did the year before, right? Or I should say the quarters before, before I started this experiment. Um, because in the week's, leading up to finals in previous quarters, I would just drop exercise completely, right? Just eat, study, go to work, you know, kind of just rinse and repeat. I would really leave very little room for exercise, right? So if anything else, if nothing else, I should say, this has really increased my consistency in the sense that, you know, I had no exercise in, in previous quarters before finals. Uh... But, um, you know, some other factors that I noted uh, on this pathway was that um, near the end, so actually uh, this weekend, my roommates uh, began moving back home, right? Because, uh, you, know, it, you know, I won't go into it, but, uh, you know, losing that kind of support system, losing some of those facilitators, right, those socio-structural kind of reinforcers, I found myself, uh, you know, a little bit less inspired to perform exercise. So that might have been it too, uh, in terms of week three results. Um, but other than that, I really think that the, the finals were what were weighing me down. But like I said, again, when comparing this to my previous exercise habits in, in past quarters, what I've noticed was that, yeah, I actually had an improvement, which was uh, kind of what I was going for, right? It might not have been the, the exact goal I wanted to um, get consistent with exercise, but some exercise in, in that sense is a sense of consistency, is it not? So, I mean, I think that in terms of my outcome, I'm still happy with where I ended up. And, you know, if, if I had let things kind of just repeat themselves from last quarter, then maybe I would have just studied again without any exercise, which is not great, right? We know from countless studies, countless physiological exercise physiology studies, that some exercise is better than none, right? Even minute levels of exercise is so much, so much more healthy and important than not exercising at all, right? And putting it all on hold. So I think that's a win in my book. <laughs> but in terms of future directions, I think that still, you know, this is just one quarter, right? More specifically, four weeks at the end of a quarter, right? What happens if I start this earlier in the quarter, right? What happens if I start this in the summer, you know, and build up these habits? Will my self-efficacy reinforce even more? You know, will my support systems change as they change? Like, will that influence kind of my performance? I don't know. And I think I need to kind of test this out more to see um, in the future, uh, and I think, you know, consistency, like I said, it, it was kind of my main goal. And I think that's the key, right? Being consistent starting from day one, uh, which I will definitely apply this upcoming quarter. Um, but, you know, in terms of 
where I ended up. I'm I'm pretty happy with the fact that you know it seems like this experiment really increased my exercise consistency, um, and I hope I hope that if I use this properly uh, in the future, if I start off earlier in the quarter, that I can build like good habits so that I can really reinforce uh, that consistency. So yeah, that concludes my little experiment, right? I hope you learned something if you listen to this whole thing. Uh, you know, social cognitive theory can really be applied to any behavior that you're trying to pursue, um, not just in exercise. In my case, it was, but it could really be anything, right? Like study habits. You could use it to build good habits in terms of doing your chores. It could really be anything, right? Uh, but again, just to recap, it, the four main tenets really are that foundation of self-efficacy, right? Your sense of capability, and I've kind of described ways that you can kind of reinforce that here. Uh, your outcome expectations, right? Those consequences of your actions. Any social structural factors that may influence you on the path to your behavior. And those goals, right? Setting those goals is super important. But uh, all in all, I'm really happy with how this experiment turned out. Uh, I hope you can use some of this uh, if you desire in, in your own uh, life. And um, yeah, that's uh, this week's podcast. If anyone's listening you know, this week, then good luck with finals. Uh, I hope you all do amazing. And uh, wish me luck because this very podcast is my own final. So, uh, yeah, that'll be it. Signing off for now. We'll see you in the future with uh, a more regularly scheduled podcast. All right.